0: Welcome to Middle School Matters Podcast number 559. I can read it, I just can't write it. We've got some jokes for your classroom, we've got some wonderful resources this week for you, as well as some reading and writing ideas as well. So without further ado, here's the wonderful, the magnanimous, the Mr. Troy Patterson.
1: Alright, welcome back to the show. I am Troy Patterson, and with me is... The world's greatest co show host, Mister Sean McGurr. Hey, Sean. Well,
0: hello there. How are you?
1: I'm well. How are you?
0: I'm um, on cold <laughs> medicine, so I might do or say something that's a little goofy today.
1: So there we have the potential of goofy Sean today. That's uh, that's all right. That's all right. We've had a we've had a fantastic pre-show, so. Uh, (laughs) either, either we have worn out (laughs) all the good stuff or we've just warmed up for the good stuff. We'll see how it goes.
0: Oh, I didn't take the cold medicine I was going to take either. That's out of it. I am. I went to go take cold medicine and didn't take it. It's sitting on the counter. Okay. never mind. We'll do it for the show. We'll
1: do it it this way. Right. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Mountains aren't just funny. Yeah. They're hilarious areas. Uh, Oh, I see your your point. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think your jokes peaked at that one.
1: Yeah, that was from Stephen King. Was it? Yeah, I I got a joke from Stephen King. That's pretty good. I mean, not like personally. I didn't personally go to see Stephen King and say, hey, Stephen King, famous author, can you give me a joke? I did not do that.
0: You are in the right area for that. <laughs> but I
1: did read it on Twitter, so it must be true. It's,
0: exactly. I'm sure he wrote it, too.
1: <laughs> he probably did. He, I think he does his, his own stuff. He's, he is a writer. He's fun to watch. He's fun to follow. So, I did get banned, by the way, recently. You did? Yeah, I posted Frosted Flakes Cheerios Lucky Charms, Frosted Flakes Cheerios Lucky Charms several times. Yeah, yeah. They said I was a serial poster.
0: Oh sure, oh sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and by the looks of it, it sounds like uh, you got frosted. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Frosted out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I saw a picture of me
2: with
0: mm-hmm. a
1: border around it that my friend stole and put on his wall.
0: Friend stole and put on his wall. Really? Yeah. I
1: I can't believe I've been framed.
0: Oh sure, oh sure. Yeah.
1: Hey, um you are I know that you are a fan of Iberian wildcat websites. See. And what I really want to know is what do you call an Iberian wildcat website if it's downloaded in Spain?
0: <laughs> this is a Jerry question, right? I'm on cold <laughs> medicine and he's asking me Jerry questions. <laughs> um,, I do not know, but if you keep along these lines, I will pull out an accent and start using it for the whole show <laughs> spanish links oh spanish okay,
1: links, yeah,
0: they're like sausage links, right?
1: <clears throat> hey, why aren't koalas actual bears?
0: koalas you aren't know? actual bears
1: koalas are not actual bears to tell they don't meet the. Qualifications. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, every once in a while, you've got to apologize for things. And uh, some people apologize in dots and dashes. You know what that's called?
0: I don't know. What is that?
1: Remorse code.
0: Oh, sure.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I like to diversify my skill set. So I've started... I have started a culinary arts program at the University of Bologna. Really? Yeah. Strangely enough, I couldn't manage to sandwich in any time between courses.
2: Ah. ah.
0: That would make you <laughs> that would make you full of Bologna.
1: <laughs> and yes, it is Bologna, but you know, no, but yeah, I Hey, what happens if you leave your boom box outside a library overnight?
0: A uh, boom box outside a library? over I don't know. What happens if you leave a boom box outside a library overnight? It becomes a
1: dewy decibel system.
0: Oh, sure. Oh, sure, indeed. <laughs> yeah, that, that joke was all wet.
1: Um, I did buy some birdseed about a month ago, but I think it's defective.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, well, how's that?
1: Well, I planted it, and I haven't grown any birds yet.
0: Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. We just keep pecking away at them.
1: You know, um, at first there was only 25 letters in the alphabet. Really? Yeah, nobody knew why.
0: Oh, dear.
1: Nobody knew why. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I am allergic to people that aren't funny.
0: Which is why we do this show, by the way, from uh, <laughs> the difference of uh, a space of, like, a whole bunch of states away.
1: Yeah. I guess I'm just lack jokes intolerant.
0: Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. I saved
1: that one for last, because...
0: That's a good one. It's I think it's also in uh, my yeah. favorite special color, isn't it? I oh, was just checking. Okay, all right. Well,
1: uh, so... um. Not only do we enjoy jokes, but we also enjoy joyfulness.
0: Mm-hmm. Did, and
1: this week, did you know you can combine joyful and science?
0: What does that make? What What is that new combination word?
1: It makes joyful science.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: and, and who better to explain joyful science to uh-huh. us? than the wonderful Mr. Dave Bidlowski. Because he's filled with joy.
0: He is. He is indeed. He is. Yes. He's a
1: very joyful yeah. person. And we did have a, an interesting conversation over ginger ale versus ginger soda versus pop. That's true. We kind did. Kind of been going back and forth yeah. on that. And so, um, you know, I just, uh, we, had, we had a nice conversation about that. Yeah. Um, And it was a conversation that was filled with joy. Um, And we are now going to turn it over to the wonderful Mr. Dave
2: Bidlowski and the Middle School Science Minute. Hi, this is Dave Bidlowski of K12Science.net, and this is your K12 Science Podcast. I was recently reading the September-October 2022 issue of Science and Children, a publication of the National Science Teaching Association. And I read the editor's note written by the editor of Science and Children, Elizabeth Barrett Zahn. And she wrote an article entitled Joyful Science. And she said that this school year, let's find ways to make learning joyful. When she thinks of joyful learning... She does not think only about the development of lifelong learners ready to ask questions who actively dive into an inquiry, but she also sees children who exhibit curiosity and inquisitiveness and are actively having fun. Making the learning meaningful and joyful includes attending to social-emotional learning needs and capitalizing on student interest, questions, and wonderment. Focusing on joyfulness doesn't mean the learning isn't essential or outside the prescribed curriculum. It's all about the delivery. Are the students' interests and prior experiences considered when planning lessons? If we start by only thinking about the curriculum and the assessed elements within the lesson, we often ignore a vital player in the learning, the students. Student sense-making realigns the learning from being teacher-directed, the student directed. The student is honored as part of the learning process. Each time we share something new, it's an opportunity to engage the learners to stimulate their thinking by allowing them to share past experiences. Providing space and time for students to share prior knowledge and experiences builds more robust pathways for the retention of information and for connecting conceptual understandings. We don't learn in isolation. Nor can we solve a problem by only looking at one aspect of the issue. Our students must think like scientists, engineers, and mathematicians throughout the day. They need to be supported in observing patterns, interpreting cause and effect, developing models, and analyzing and interpreting data as they work through a problem. Nothing is more joyful than when a problem is finally solved. Results are explained or the students make cross-curricular connections. These are the authentic light bulb moments. Joyfulness doesn't imply only fun or soft science. Joyfulness starts with teachers remembering and honoring that the learning is new for the students, and then deliberately drawing on their natural wonder and curiosity. The more students feel excited and empowered by the learning, the further they will go in trying to figure things out or make sense of their world. When teachers plan for student engagement and sense-making, they have remembered the importance of creating agency for learning. Why should students care, want to find answers, write about findings, or share results? Because they are invested in the process, and that truly breeds joy. So let's remember to plan our lessons, follow the curriculum, and cover the content. But don't forget that essential element in the planning, the student's. Create space and time for them to find the joys in learning by figuring things out, debating, assessing data, developing arguments, and solving problems. And this has been your K-12 Science Podcast.
1: All right, the other thing that's kind of been bringing me a little bit of joy this week is I yeah. kind of went down, I went down a couple of rabbit holes that were kind of related Okay. Um and I think that you've done a little bit of the same thing, but not maybe not quite as much. And that oh, is um, AI. So artificial intelligence.
0: Oh, and... I was gonna say I thought you were talking about the sound I make when I do found fall, fall down the rabbit <laughs> hole. I...
1: <laughs> Hi. Um and and that is uh we've both been playing with image generators, right? you've yes. been doing a little bit of that yep. um, and and I did as well um, and working on creating some creating some AI images and uh, I know you created uh, a nice image of Elaine last yeah. week um, but I've been playing around a little bit with it and I think a lot of people have been playing around with it, and I just wonder if people playing around with it is going to actually make it better, because they get more feedback as well. You know that kind of scale thing. Maybe. So, um, and I'm trying to really to figure out like how image uh, generators come into play, and what that means. You know, is that art? Is that not art? How is it going to be used? Getty Images right now is kind of banning all of the AI-generated stuff, Um, in part because they found some of the AI-generated images have Getty Images watermarked on it. (laughs) (laughs) Because apparently the, um, the data set that they used, some of it was from Getty Images and... Oh, There's that's another question interesting. about should they have used that or not?
0: How do you measure the percentage of a Getty image you use so that you're right. still within the, oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, well, it leads to lots of interesting things. Um, and again, I'm looking at like, okay, so if you use like a lot of times you want a, like if you're writing a blog post, or if you're, you're creating a presentation, I use a lot of images, in especially presentations that I create. And I'm very careful to try to make sure that I use Creative Commons licensed or public domain images in that. And one of the exciting things about AI generators is potentially you could create an image that's designed for the blog post or the presentation that you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. But... The question becomes, do you have license to use that? Who owns that license? And right now with the AI generators, they seem to hold on to the license for that.
2: Oh, interesting. Yeah,
1: so it's not, it's like, uh, hmm. so it becomes, you know, a little bit of uh, copyright issues um, as well. And then... For kids, could we teach kids to create art this way? If they're creating art this way, is it art? Is it not art? Um, what, does, what does art mean? Um, kind of thing. Uh, so I've been playing around a little bit with that. And then I've also been noting the inherent bias in some of these images. Like frequently, <clears throat> if you ask for someone in a leadership position... Like, draw a technology director doing something. They all came out male. Oh. Every single one of yeah. them came out male. and it's. Uh-huh. I, I think it's that inherent bias of a leader is a male. So I think that's another question, to, that's another issue to talk about, question to ask kind of thing.
0: Or is this so. a statistical average? When I did it for teacher, and when I did it for teacher, all the one or two images and i did it like i did 30 or 40 images in dolly doing teacher uh all but two came out female as right. in you know yeah mm-hmm. but by the same token there's a whole lot more females in my industry than males i don't know if that's i don't know this it's probably not that it's probably not a statistical equal i just i just wonder i'm curious i don't know cold medicine
1: Cold medicine. Mm. It's understanding that again for me, it's understanding that bias. It's looking at what are the results. What do I notice about the results? Um, you know, is a like for example, the technology director is that necessarily male? You know, no, there's female technology directors, and 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 that. so it's it's something to question and wonder about, and I think it's something to. Im- make our kids aware of as well and have them pay attention to some of these things um you know what does what what is bias what does that mean um kind of kind of thing so um so yeah and then i've also and this is largely uh Largely in response to some things that Bob Harrison posted. Oh, by the way, Architects of Learning has some new shows on. Oh, so good, okay. if you if you um, if you're interested in education and technology, technology coaching, um, all of that good stuff, check out Architects of Learning. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes to it as well. But they have a new um, it's some new episodes out. Um but he had posted some things about uh, text generators so I started playing around with some text generators and trying to figure out like okay um, what does this mean for educators as well um, are kids writing this so I tried writing some blog posts with it and I will say at this point I think you can still tell what is AI generated versus what is not AI generated but it's getting better So I'm not sure that like teacher posts, I'm not sure like if a kid did at this point, I think if a kid did a quote paper using AI, you'd be able to tell. But then the question becomes, well, what about kids that struggle with writing? Could you have an AI generator write something for them? And then they use that to kind of model that and start, writing their own does that give them um does that give them just something to start with i don't know and then somebody said yeah what about my sketchies can i just write my <laughs> Well, oh. can I use the text generator to write my response to to, to sketches and I thought, well that's interesting. Yeah, what does actually, that mean? I, could, I What does that mean? Write uh write a summary of uh using technology uh, to affect um, student constructivism in the classroom and see what happens.
0: Wouldn't that be just as much work to put in the parameters as it is to get out the product? Interesting. Well,
1: yeah, it's just. uh,
0: Oh, yeah, it's just for fun. I know,
1: you know, it's just for fun. Uh, But that tells you
0: I'm seriously thinking about it.
1: (laughs) Right. And I just thought that was interesting, uh, as um in terms of you know what we're doing and how we're doing it. Um and again, right now the language is still very stilted. It seems a little awkward. I don't think a kid would get a good grade even if it you know, if the teacher was grading a hundred of these and not really paying attention you'd have to really not be paying attention though. They just kind of, they just kind of come across as what, <laughs> but it's going to get better and better and better. Right. So, yeah. Um, so it's something to at least pay attention to. Um, so yeah, so Ben uh, did a, did a little bit of that, um, as well. So, um, And then, um, you're in cold medicine, so I won't even ask you what, how your week was. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. But I will ask you about the Twitterverse.
0: Oh, the Twitterverse. All right. Well, it was a lot like my week. It was a little slow. Uh, um, I will share something about my, uh, we did I ready testing and, um, the, uh, already gives me feedback. I think that's better and understood easier than NDBA is, and I think the testing. I'm interested to see if the testing techniques they use are indicative or reflective of where they're really at. So uh, I'm curious about that this week. Um, what else is there? Um, just just Moodle stuff, I guess. Anyway. Um, I was
1: going to say one, one more thing is, and that we talked sure. about, cause we've talked about this previously and I kind of forgot about it. Um, and we were talking pre-show about um, one of the teachers who um, wanted kids to write questions and kids are studying and answering questions. And, and you reminded me of student quiz um, for Moodle, which allows kids to write questions and that. Um, and I don't know why I forgot about that, but I did. So we had a conversation about, um, installing that and having kids write questions. And the, the way that this kind of works is kids get to write questions and then the, um, the teacher can then, um, Either move those into a quiz that they use the kids oh wait wait, let's go back. So student quiz also allows for it allows for kids to write questions, they get points for writing questions. Right. And they get points for answering questions, they get points well, they get points for answering questions correctly, they get deducted points or point for answering incorrectly, and then they can rate quiz avoid questions as well. And they get point, the person who wrote the question gets points for rating, yep. right?
0: Yep. Yep.
1: So if I, if I write a question and it gets five stars, I get, you know, two points per star or, you know, you can set whatever you want. But by, the, you know, I think I changed it to two points per per star. Um. So you get that kind of leaderboard thing going on where kids can, you know, they have a little bit of competition, they have it's a little gamification, but the kids are writing quizzes, which means <laughs> that the kids are thinking about the material. Um and you know, ideally they're thinking about the qu- they're thinking about the material and they're creating things. So it goes back to that constructivism um aspect where the kids are not just consuming something, they're doing that. And then the kids get the advantage of taking, of answering questions that other kids wrote. So you know it can help them study for this. And teachers can approve or um, hide questions. So if you if a kid has a question that's just blatantly wrong, the teacher can hide it. Um, and I don't know that you'd have to monitor that a lot, especially if you. Tell the kids, hey, let me know if there's bad. <laughs> let me know if there's a question you're concerned about. You know, <laughs> the kids go, uh, Mr. McGurr, <clears throat> There's a question here that is incorrect. It should be, you know, this, and yeah. go in and take a look at it.
0: And you can boot those questions. Yeah, so, that's a beautiful thing about it. And kid doesn't have to know that their question is no longer available for use. That's right. So you're not going to get you... any
1: the questions can be anonymous or they can have student names with them so you have a couple different choices there so um i'm really i'm i'm thinking of creating like a study hall for a class and and basically turning it over to the kids and say here you go this is your opportunity and then a teacher could swipe those... Que- I mean, the teacher could utilize those questions in an educational sweating. Um,
0: uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: So the teacher doesn't have to write all the questions. Let the kids write the questions. Pick the best of the best. Put it in there. So, so yeah. So, I'm thinking... Build
0: it, it was, from year to year, too. Yeah. You know?
1: So, um yeah, and I think as a study hall kind of thing might be a great way to start because, again, it's the kids taking ownership of it um, and and going from there. So, so we'll see. We'll see. I think it would be fun. I like having fun. <laughs> and by fun... I mean, kids doing the work and kids learning. That, to me, is fun when the kids are doing that kind of thing. So, all right. Um, uh, Let's see. Now let's go to the Twitterverse.
0: (laughs) Speaking of fun, Susie Dent is fun. A reminder that emplum, empla, empla, oh, I had this, emplomaniac. It looks like emperor maniac it's emplomaniac, E M P L E O M A N I C, as someone desperate to hold on to power no matter what the cost. I thought that was fitting um, for uh, some I folks. I wonder if
1: that has any relevance to current events in any way, think,
0: shape, or form. Hmm. I think she ripped that right out of today's headlines. <laughs> Even though the word is very, very old. Uh, another, another. So she also this week had a word of the day. And the word of the day was Arzal. And I love this word. I've used this and I've seen it used before. Arzel. It's when you have the distinct impression that you're going backwards instead of making progress. You know, I had a couple arzel moments uh, this week with some kids where I thought that was not making any headway. Yes. So arzel. Arzal is your word for the week. Use it. Use it often. Use it frequently. And use it on your language arts teacher on your team. Uh, typical edu celebrity i think has some great advice this week ready now for those of you who don't know typical edu celebrity it's a satire twitter feed so take it with a grain of pumpkin spice uh typical edu celebrity at edu celebrity teachers it is now the fall season be sure to put pumpkin spice in your lessons as well as your coffee right. it per- makes perfect sense to me uh, the last one there was. Comes.
1: There was, by the way, a link uh, that I did not click on about why pumpkin spice is so popular in fall as a um, as a flavor. Apparently, it has to do with economics. Pumpkin is really cheap, or something. I don't know. I really? On it. So, okay. I only bring that up because that kind of makes it even funnier in terms of putting it into your lessons.
0: Oh, that is. Sorry. I, it, there was a picture I saw. This since we're going to go down this hole. Um, I saw a picture of somewhere. It wasn't this week. It was a while ago, where somebody had posted. Uh, technically, albino pumpkins, right? White pumpkins, mm-hmm. and they they mentioned uh, that uh, uh, all of the poachers had come and and sucked all the pumpkin spice out of the pumpkins, and that's why they were white and not orange <laughs> anymore. I laughed. I thought, okay, that's pretty good. Uh, oh, this last one from the Twitterverse. This is your favorite organization. The T-C-E-A. And, of course, T stands for Texas. Tbilisi. That's correct. Tbilisi. Ways teachers can talk less and get kids talking more. There's a link in there. And it's actually a pretty good uh, list of uh, things to do. Eight ways teachers can talk less and get kids talking more. And one, one is that I have been working on now for years and I still struggle with, and that is to not steal the struggle don't steal the struggle let them struggle with it help them learn uh move from the front of the classroom that's always a good one um teach students signals for your often repeated phrases and for transitions use nonverbal reinforcement for behavior whenever possible yes i've been using more hand signals and i've found my life getting better and by hand signals i mean completely classroom appropriate hand signals some of you know who you are all right um Turn your statements into questions and props instead of asking, does that make sense? Say, can you put that in your own words? I love this one because I find myself all the time saying, All right, makes sense, guys. And I should have said, All right, somebody tell me, tell me what I said, but put it in your own words. I should hmm. say that. Uh stop repeating myself. I did. I stopped doing that a couple of years ago. Makes my life better, and then number eight is notice moments when you summarize review for students instead of getting their input. Do check out the link to the article. Do read the whole article. There's a lot of much better explanations than what I gave uh, to all of these great tips. It's uh, Truth for Teachers, and we will have a link in the show notes. While you're online, you should also hashtag uh, MS Chat every Thursday at eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as Troy says, the Twitter never stops.
1: It does not. And um, got a couple resources for you this week as well. Um, one is folktale readers' theater. Now, I know that you are teaching social studies, not language arts, you have taught language arts in the past, um, but. This is still some some good stuff, and it's possible you could use this even in a social studies classroom because um, it does go through a bunch of folktales. And you can, this is another one of those things that kids could use. And if you have your kids working with other classes, you know, especially if they're working with some lower grades, and you can do that um, cross grade kind of thing. Um, I could see this would be really, really great. But this comes from Laura Gibbs. um, And it is um, all creative commons. Um, It is cc-by, which means that um, you would need to credit the source. You can use it. You can mix it. You can copy it. You can change it. You can rewrite it, rewrite it. Rewire it, rewrite it. You can transform it, but please give credit to Laura Gibbs and um, a link back so that other people can find it as well. Um, There's a bunch of stories here. There is um, The Lion and the Rabbit, which is a folktale from India. And here's part of it there is actually audio that kids can listen to. So you get the text, you get the audio. Um, it tells you how long things are. Um, and it's, uh, again, it's just really neat that you get, especially for your EL kids, they can listen to it, but not just your EL kids. <laughs> um there's a lot of kids that benefit from being able to hear something. And since it is all um, creative commons, you can, uh, again, do with it what you wish. So you can put it in your Moodle instance. Just give um, give credit where credit is due. But there's the audio is already done. The text is already done. Um, and the way you can use it. So... Uh, the lion king and the rabbit the king solomon and the baker which is a jewish folktale zeus and the turtle which is an aesop's fable the foolish prince and the turtle that's a folktale from india um, the pious fox the pious fox goes on a pilgrimage which is in a folktale from syria <clears throat> There is the Grateful Animals, which is an African folktale. Queen Bee, which is a folktale, a fairy tale from Germany as well. So you have these folktales and fairy tales from around the world. Um, that, And all of these are available for you for free. Have you used um, folktales in your class recently there, Sean?
0: Uh, well, I'm teaching right now. I'm back in prehistory, so uh, I, there's no written folk tales that uh, much can use. But yes, I do use uh, folk tales, especially when we get into Africa. I use the Anansi stories. Uh, when we get the Middle Ages, uh, there's a whole ton of stories that uh, can use ancient Greece. Definitely a lot of mythology. Uh, ancient Rome, a lot of stories from ancient Rome. Um, There are a couple of sources that are really great for uh, readers theater, folktale readers theater that I would suggest. First one is Aaron Shepard's uh, readers theater page. Aaron Shepard is a phenomenal resource and it's, it's language arts, it's social studies. It's all kinds of things. He doesn't limit himself to any one thing. There's a lot of really great sources there at Aaron Shepard's page. I highly recommend it. And he, he does all of it himself. And you know, when you, when you use one of his things and pay for one of his things, you're supporting the artist himself when you do that. Um, There's also, if you want to get kids used to doing skits and and maybe even making some, there's something called the skit book. I like the skit book uh, because it gives you the plot, but it doesn't give you the text and the kids have to create it. Now, granted, that's not necessarily um, social studies. It's, it's a lot of fun. And my kids are going to do it in advisory Um, we're going to see how that goes, but we noticed one thing we were talking in my, in my team that our kids don't have a lot of creativity. They just don't. It's always just tell me the answer. Just tell me the answer. Just tell me the answer. And they haven't had that struggle to find and create the answer for themselves. We're going to use the skip book and advisory, and then we're going to go on our own Chautauqua circuit and our kids are then going to perform for the other advisories on our team, um, so that you know everybody entertains themselves, on this one, and then uh, there is a social studies readers theater. It is over on Amazon. You can buy it. It's actually pretty good, and it's just one book. But there's a, several in the series that you could use. Uh, I've used that in the past. Um, I use there's one in Beowulf. I forgot where I found it. I use Beowulf, and my kids are like, oh, when they read the story of Beowulf in readers theater and uh, to each other, and they're like amazed that somebody from that time period came up with this story and ooh the gore rips the arm off and the you're like yes you know maybe tv uh you know it's just reflection of life after all and uh, so we have we have good discussions between stories and stories now there's there's lots of cool things matter of fact uh uh, rain resa is pulling together a whole bunch of resources on this very thing for sixth and seventh grade i just went out here recently and so if you follow um uh David uh oh no, I forgot his name. Ah, this the Social Studies Coordinator out at RESA. Um go go to Wing Risa uh R E S A, uh, their site and and find David oh, I wanna say David Hall. David that's Hale. not right. Hale, thank you. Yep, that's it. David Hales and uh <laughs> get on his uh list, his e uh listserv and uh he will be sending some of those things out here soon. He always throws out good stuff anyway, so it's worth signing up for that listserv. Cool. Sorry, I, t- I talked no, too much.
1: No, no, that's absolutely wonderful. Um, <clears throat> have you ever listened to a long YouTube video and you're like, I don't know that I have time for this. But you really kind of wanted to get a summary of what it's about? Yes. I have an answer for you summarize.tech ooh what it does is it gives you a summary of any long youtube video like a lecture live event or government funding you pop in the url click submit and you get a um a summary um they have a couple of examples here as well, and this is all AI generated, so you know, be be aware, but again, this is one of those places where AI is getting better and better and better. Um, they have an example of a summary of President Biden's State of the Union address, and they have cut it down to two paragraphs, and you can see more if oh, you wow. want. And they do it by time. Right, so they summarize and they give you time codes because YouTube gives you time codes. So oh, that's right. It you know <laughs> instead of listening to the whole hour of um, <laughs> the presentation, you can get an idea of what it's about. Um, and this actually looks pretty doggone good, um, and it cuts it down into like a sentence per um every 5 minutes or so so um it's interesting
0: i'm not going to use this un- until it's winter time why cuz then it'll be summery
1: <laughs>
0: Yep. <Saving sighs> this one later
1: yep even on the yep. cold medicine it yep. still comes through <laughs> with that <laughs>
0: Not good ones, but they do come through.
1: <laughs> so, um, so they give you a couple of examples there as well. It's uh, powered by GPT three. Um, and again, oh, I GPT-3? think this is three GPT three. Uh, there's a big difference oh. between GPT two and GPT three, by the way. So, oh,
0: yes, yes, there is. I have one more question. <laughs> Yes. What's G T P three? <laughs> What's G T P three?
1: So G-T-P, GTP is the um is the um the alertive it's it's generative pre trained transformer. Okay. You want like the official so, thing? It's an auto repressive no, okay. language model that uses deep learning to produce human like text.
0: I've already moved on to my next question.
1: (laughs) Focus on focus. One of us needs to focus.
0: You. you We started with that with medicine, so this is where we're gonna go. Um, uh, Is it related to HTTP?
1: (laughs) That's completely different.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Um. This side trail brought to you by. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So that's that's all right. Um, but it is interesting. Um, and it is something that uh, I don't know that I have a specific use for. Um, but uh could be interesting. I don't listen to a lot of, I don't watch a lot of long YouTube videos unless I'm really interested in, in it. So, you know. Um, but actually, I could see that, like for board meetings and stuff, not the board meetings that I go to, but like other school board no, meetings. No, no. Yes. Especially where there's yes. something like controversial. I wonder if that would mm-hmm. be, you know, instead of wandering through.
0: So, would the AI could the AI get it wrong? I wonder. I mean, are there are opportunities when you shorten things. That's the opportunity mm-hmm. for having misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. That's why I wonder. Yeah, but I'm it's curious.
1: I think what it would do is it would give you a give you like a target point to go to. Right?
0: Oh, okay. All right. You
1: know, you could say, all right, hey, wait a minute. Oh, it occurs on this 5 minutes kind of thing. So instead of watching the whole 3 hours, you can go to those 5 minutes. So Oh,
2: that's
0: more useful. Okay.
1: So, yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, Edutopia has um, five low-stake activities to help teens open up. Um, and these are, quote, engaging exercises to provide stepping stones for teachers to build relationships in the classroom. We know that creating those relationships is crucial. Um, and so these are a couple of like low-risk activities that um, that you can do um and there's probably not anything that's earth-shattering here um if you've been teaching for a long time but some of these are good reminders or if you are newly on the educational um scene these might be some really good ones um so there's um there's kind of the two truths and a uh, there's a variation of two truths and a lie which is have students take turns sharing two things they like and one thing they don't. Um, It gives you kind of a a window into what their preferences are and get authentic reaction from classmates. Um, I like to say, licorice, yuck.
0: (laughs) I like licorice. Yeah, you can have mine. I'll give Mm. you mine. Unless it's red licorice, then it's all mine. All yours. No, actually, you can still have it.
1: Um, and then they also talk about a unity quilt, which I think is Ooh. a really neat idea. Um, mm-hmm. It's a visual representation of the diversity in your classroom. Have each student create their own personalized square from collaged photos or magazine clippings. Wait, What? <laughs> What's a magazine um, to represent their unique hinges. Um You can do this in with paper. You can do it digitally. Gives you an idea of what the kids are excited about. So I like that one a lot, by the way. Um, um, and then there is a... Um, activity um revolving around a handful of books from the library um and the kids make selections and then they can they can get a sense of why they made that selection and it's also an opportunity to get students introduced to lesser known items from the library um uh, Merriam diction, we, Webster's Dictionary ad, uh, Time Traveler webpage. Choose a year and see which words show up in the dictionary for the first time. You can have students pick a, a word from their birth year, something that resonates with them, and share their thoughts out loud. You could also, if you were doing this as a social studies thing, you could potentially pick a different year than their birthday. They could, birth year, you could have them pick an important year in history kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> um, the next one is uh, having kids look up the top pop song from the day they were born. Choose a line that relates to their lives and share it. Um, so it's uh kind of some different ways of, creating opportunities for kids to share a little bit about themselves to have some fun and for you to get to know about the kids so all right sean your kids use google to search do they not
0: uh sort of if we if we can call it searching yes
1: (laughs) well google has posted uh better searches better results um kind of tip or um, for people to use. Um, This is something that I would share with kids, and it is some modifiers that you can type in your Google search box to refine your searches and get better results. Um, Using quotation marks to get an exact phrase, using a minus sign or a dash to exclude words, Um, using site colon to get a site specific. I use that one like, frequently Hmm. um using the tilde for to get similar words um for example uh, if you typed in tilde mobile phone you would get results with the word phone as well as cellular cell wireless mobile etc um so there's some there's some good tips there. I would share this with kids. Just kind of a neat thing. Once you put it in your toolbox and get that um, get some of those built in, and it makes you um, that much more efficient. So, all right. Um, I have not had a chance to play around with this one tons, but I did play around with it a little bit, and that is called. And I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. And what it is, is it uses AI to have conversations to learn a language. So you can pick a language. Um, Arabic is not an option, by the way.
2: Mm -hmm. It's true.
1: But there's quite a, there's a pretty good variety of uh, languages that you can learn. And it gives you a chance to work with an AI to pronounce things and you can learn how to say a whole bunch of different things. I think this would be neat for kids um, and it may be very helpful for kids to play around a little bit with, uh, with it. You can see the language written out and you can also hear it pronounced as well so it gets read to you so you can hear it and see it as well Uh, I know a lot of people use Duolingo um, and things like that but um, but um, you know it's another option so
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um the you might use that language, learn that language to get a European Day of the uh, Day of Languages to take you further. Oh? Oh. You put this one in here.
0: I did. I'm just wanting to see what he'd say. Um yeah, European Day of Languages uh posted a link to Languages Take You Further. And there's a link in there and you can click on and you can decide which languages you want, and then you can construct a a conversation between the two and it gets you an understanding of, you know, the language of your choice. So I would, I would partner that with Quetzal or yeah, I'm going to guess that's Quetzal or or Quetzalcoatl. No, that's not right. Wrong one. Um, but yes, so it's there to kind of experiment and give you a chance to taste a flavor of the different languages that are in Europe. It is Eurocentric because it is the European Day of Languages program. So yeah, enjoy it. Have fun with it. Just show it to the kids and they go, hey, hey, what do you think this is going to be if we do a conversation in Portuguese? What would you say for, you know, this, that, or the other thing? What kind of responses would come back? So play with it. Just something to have fun with, with the kids to get them an understanding that, uh, you know, other languages, it's just like, you know, it's like a foreign, foreign country, foreign language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just get a little experience with it.
1: And that might lead you to a little bit of culture translating as well.
0: Yeah. Access to Culture Translator had uh, this week's uh, newsletter had one interesting post that I thought was interesting. It's called Meet Your Match. And what it is, is a New York Times op-ed argues for a return to more traditional forms of dating, like courtship, family setups, and even paid matchmakers. And in the community that I teach in, there's a whole lot of family (laughs) setups and paid matchmakers. But I thought it was interesting because their argument is, let's move away from the Tiki Talkies, the uh, Smiley Wiley's, the uh, um, uh, uh, Snappy chatties, uh, and all this stuff, because it's really not creating or helping people connect in this kind of way. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, more than a few recently published articles have pointed to da- uh, dating app fatigue and for some, these apps appear to lead only to heartbreak rejection and frustration instead of a lasting partnership. Reality TV shows like Indian Matchmaking and Married at First Sight, in addition to scripted hits like Bridgerton, seem to be striking a nerve reminding people who aren't married that maybe meeting people in real life has some benefits. Uh, This op-ed writer says that uh, setups orchestrated by a third party add an element of accountability that swiping right just can't replicate. So maybe teens uh, won't be running mm-hmm. to you for matchmaking uh, money just yet, but it is possible that the cultural tide will continue to turn back to real life dating for the next generation.
1: It's kind of interesting. I've asked a couple of people who have gotten married, like, um, how did you meet? And most of them have met on their, their, um, spousal, their spouse, via some kind of application, some kind of online yep. kind of thing. So,
0: yep. it's, I think it's uh, like, like regular fads, you know, that you go through a time period and then you swing back the other way for a while. And yeah. yeah. So I think the fatigue factor is the big one in that article.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, the Scottish Learning Festival. Ah, oh what what you're thinking the scottish learning festival yes the scottish learning festival um has stood accused of being too safe and not open enough to challenging viewpoints and i know that's a concern of yours sean that the scottish learning festival is playing ah, too safe. sure it is <laughs> However, there is a kind of an interesting article over in TES, uh, TES Magazine about the Scottish Learning Festival and um, language acquisition. Um, it's about synthetic phonics and how they're using phonics and reading um, used in Scottish schools. So I know this is Scotland, not... Um, America, but I still I think the the promise the premise of teaching la- um, language and learning and that um, is interesting. I also have to tell you, since it is from Scotland, as like trying to con- like do this in a Scotland, I was thinking about what it would be like in a, with a Scottish accent. Right. Anyway. Um, There's a lot of nice points in the article about reading, reading acquisition. Um, And also, there's another reason that I bookmarked this one this week. And that one is just for Sean. And that is for this. I am quoting here. She is also keen to promote handwriting, which she said, quote, activates this reading system in the human brain in a way that, for example, tapping on a keyboard or forming letters in a sand pit do not.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So I'll uh, just pair it with a comment that one of my uh, ELL kids said to me uh, Thursday, I think it was we were talking cause I write in cursive on my little board on the hallway. This is what we're doing today and whatnot. <laughs> and I caught him standing there, staring at the board. I said, uh, "You need anything? Are you you okay? You need help?" No, he says, "I can read it." I said you, "Okay?" Because yeah, he says, "I just can't write it." That's <laughs> <I was> like <laughs> one step at a time. One step at a time, young man.
1: One step at a time.
0: Yeah, but here's a kid who's an ELL kid, who, you know, his this character set that he's learning in for the first time, right? is very foreign to what he's been used to in the past, but he can look at the cursive, look at me and go, I know what you wrote. I, I get it. I see what you did there. I just can't do it myself, but I know what you did. I thought, oh, "Yeah, that's fascinating. That's interesting. So you know, weird stuff that sticks in my brain.
1: Yeah, and this is one of those things that I'm still, because I know there's lots of research out there about writing versus typing notes and all of that. The question that I still have is... If kids were to write it using like an Apple Pencil on an iPad, where does that fall in? Does that activate the brain the same way as handwriting on a paper does? Or does it not activate the brain the same way? And does it fall more into the dealing with the screen issue? Um, And I haven't found any research about that yet. And I am far too lazy to do the research myself.
0: You might be in the perfect position to do that, though, too.
1: So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, there's some really neat points in this article. Um, I think it's worth uh, discussion. Um, It also includes, um, quote, the idea that all children learn differently and that, therefore, teachers should use a variety of approaches to teach reading unfortunately often disadvantages the very children that this argument is made to support so there's uh you know there's so a, a lot of things that really it's like um were thought provoking for me so if you read if you're into in uh reading instruction i think it's worthwhile there is a link to um, additional resources off of that. Um, and there's addition and link to the, you know the some of the presentations as well. So you might want to check that out. The thing that you should really check out, though, is Middle School Matters over at MiddleschoolMatters.com,
0: oh, yes.
1: where you can find links um, for almost everything we talked about, you can find some jokes that you can copy and use. You can find a link to the wonderful middle school uh, Science Minute. Um, and you can find links to where you can listen to the show so you can share those with friends. And you can head over to the favorite podcaster of po- podcast catcher. Of your choice, give us a five-star rating. Tell us why Sean is the world's greatest co-show host. Um, and, uh, of course, we'd love to hear from you. There's a link there that you can shoot us an email. We'd we'd love to hear from you. Um, and if you find Eileen,
2: mm-hmm. go ahead and That's tell
1: right. Eileen. Just tell Eileen that you are an, an Eileen Award winner and just give mm-hmm. a hug and... and and we'll, we'll move on with life because, you know, you deserve to be an Eileen Ward winner if you're a listener to the show. So yeah, Exactly, yeah. That's right. With that, this has been Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care. All opinions expressed on this podcast are exclusively the opinions of the host and guests and not indicative of any employer.